are you from, Joseph? South Shields. Ethel. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. But let me be clear. I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour. This is Your Welcome America, the podcast that explains what the bloody hell Brits are banging on about. In every episode, we translate British pop culture for America and American pop culture for Britain. You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> Hello. Hi, babes. How are you doing? I'm good. In stark contrast to the last episode, we're recording this in the AM. Yes, very much. I am sober. Mm. <laughs> well, instead of after dark, what would this be called? You're welcome, Sunrise Edition. Oh, I can see the graphic already. <laughs> uh, how have you been? How was New York? You've been away. I have been away, and I'm actually very glad you've asked me that question. How was New York? Because I've prepared a little something that I like to call the New York Report. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine <laughs> how excited I was when I came up with the idea of that sting. That's perfect. I mean, I've got, I don't have that much to say, but I've got that. Hey. Um, so I was in New York this week for work. Um, I, on the, on the plane, I watched the Sex and the City movie because it's either, on a plane, it's either that or Prometheus for me. Right. Great. Well, they're pretty much the same thing, right? Same, same, same. <laughs> um, although I did skip the bit because I just didn't, I didn't want to feel low. I skipped the bit, um where Carrie gets stood up. Yeah, no, no, no. I get that. It, so, yeah, went from wedding prep to honeymoon. <laughs> it's like when I was younger, I used to, when I watched The Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. I didn't like um, the movie After Under the Sea, so <laughs> because I found it like too, it was too tense and scary and emotional. Yeah. So I used to just watch it from the beginning up until Under the Sea, which actually on a recent rewatch, I mean, I found out that that was, I think maybe like 20 minutes <laughs> into the movie. So yeah, there you go. Well, and then you just re- rewind it and then yeah, put yeah. the tape back in. Yeah, I liked all the songs just before uh, before and up to Under the Sea. That's fine. That's <laughs> fair. So in New York, I was uh, channeling, obviously, Lauren Conrad in the hills. Of course. Do it, do it, you do it, do it, you're doing it well. <laughs> so you need to explain our favorite one of our favorite hills moments so it, it's one of the best episodes of the hills and for some reason it's a moment ben and i've really fixated on which is where lauren had to go to new york to work for mark jacobs uh i think or go and do some work oh, no, at, she's, she's at team vogue. oh yeah she's at team vogue but then they send her to mark jacobs to do like a job and there's a great just an opening to a scene where they play doing it well by j-lo and show like lauren running through the city getting in a cab and then there's a really awkward scene where she meets mark jacobs and she's alphabetizing yeah and she's wearing heels <laughs> the whole time she's wearing heels and they're like do you want something more appropriate to her she's like no good old lc that was me <laughs> um so i was in uh, new york it's so, I think it's so funny, like, as British people, when you think of New York, people are like, oh, I, yeah, I want to go to New York, particularly, like, in the summer or winter. Those are the two worst seasons yeah. in New York. <laughs> it is unbearable. so unbearably hot. It stinks of garbage. <laughs> and it's just, like, muggy and hum- humid and horrible. And to top it all off... Muggy. Muggy. To top it all off, I was staying in Times Square Ooh. in a hotel above the Hershey's store. Oh, I mean, we, we it's not hard to think of the, the London equivalent of that, which would be, would, that, would it be the W Hotel above the M&M store? Yeah, the M&M experience. <laughs> um, just a little shout out to um, 
<laughs> to CLC, call listener Charlie. Um, she, in her previous job, her office was opposite the M&M store and she used to look out a window and see a person dressed as an M&M outside the store and it was, it filled her with rage. <laughs> she was furious. I can imagine like after a hard day, Charlie just going up and like beating them up. Yeah, that's, what, that's exactly <laughs> Pushing what over the M&M. If you pushed over someone dressed as an M&M, they wouldn't be able to get back up. Yeah, like a beetle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so even though I'm complaining about staying in Times Square, um, the hotel was actually bizarrely so nice. Oh, right. So it was great. So yeah, I was there just living my dream, living and working in Times Square. I, whenever I go to to New York, I always re- you always remember there's that weird energy in New York yeah. where everyone is just insane. Yes, and, and it, loud. And loud. And it turns me into a crazy person. <laughs> like I was walking down the street, just storming and just quite just pushing people out the way and glaring. <laughs> and if anyone dared look or talk to me, I'd be like, ah! Whilst Labels and Love by Fergie was playing in your head. Exactly. Shopping for labels. Shopping for love. Or, or like Click, Click, Flash by Sierra. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Um, so yeah, it's weird. It has a, it has a, I always think New York has a very similar energy to London, even more crazy. But, and then we should also point out the very bitter rivalry between LA and New York. Yes. Because whenever I go to work or whenever I see people in, in the New York office, the company I'm at, there's always like, mm, they're always like, oh, I don't really like LA. I don't know how you deal with it. And we're always like, oh, I don't really like New York. don't know how you deal with it. And it's just that ongoing rivalry. I mean, yeah, it's still, it's two cities filled with psychopaths. It's just different kind of psychopaths, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the main thing actually about my trip to New York was the, the plane on the way back. Oh. Okay. So I was sitting on the plane and the guy behind me um, was blowing his nose a lot. And I was right. like, oh no, I'm beside like, you know, I'm near someone with the plague. I'm and you're going to get ill from a plane gonna, as well. Going to get ill. A little tube of germs. He kept on going up to go to the toilet. Yeah. To go to the restroom, the washroom, whatever we want to call it. So that meant the two people beside him having to stand up and get out. And he'd go. And he went like twice. Yeah. Three times. I was like, what? This is a five hour flight. Right. Okay. More and more sniffing. Four times he went. Then five times. Okay. Oh, <laughs> he was doing coke. Oh, my so the God. guy behind me in the plane was going to the bathroom repeatedly to do coke. More and more sniffing going on. Oh my God. He then halfway through the flight got out his laptop, put it down, and started bashing away it furiously. Clearly <laughs> thinking he'd had like a genius cokey idea. <laughs> I've got to write this down. Exactly. So my seat was just shaking. And then when we landed, we were all like you know standing up, ready to like walk out. And I was looking at the 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 the, the two people sitting beside him who were just rolling their eyes. Oh my god! And he by that point had done so much coke. He had his headphones in, his sunglasses on. And he was just bouncing around in his chair to music <laughs> and like furiously texting someone. We landed at like 10 p.m. at night. I can't, I, as someone with a fear of flying, I cannot think of a worse thing to do than to take a cocaine on an airplane. Sh- Shitloads of coke and sit in the window seat. Yeah. Also, yeah, as someone who hates flying and also as someone who has a very small bladder and has to go to the bathroom a lot, I haven't sat in a window seat for, for years. Yeah. I wouldn't do that to people. I take an aisle seat every time. I know what I'm doing. You wouldn't do it to yourself. You wouldn't do it to other (laughs) people. You're right. So that was my New York report. That was that. Oh, one other thing I did want to mention is that, um, you know, I'm very... I 
do appreciate that it's very I'm very lucky that I get to go to New York and travel and do these amazing things for work and there was a moment where we were working all day in the office and uh, afterwards the, the New York office had arranged like rooftop drinks for Ooh. us so we go to like a rooftop overlooking Manhattan with the sun's going down we're having drinks I'm like oh my god how lucky am I meanwhile the next morning I wake up I get a text from my cleaner again how lucky am I to have a cleaner <laughs> text from the cleaner a picture of what looks like rat poo on my cooker <laughs> Rat poo on my cooker. That yeah. sounds like a country song. <laughs> yeah, country song or punk group. <laughs> um, so, you know, life's all about the balance. How are you? I'm good. Um, you've missed a couple of things since you were gone. Um, first of all, I dance cheated on you and went to our dance class without you. Um, and guess who was there? Give me a clue. Uh, Wait, someone famous? Uh, yes. <laughs> I think you might have even told me that you've oh. seen this person in the class before. Wait a minute. Robin Anton. <laughs> you are correct. Pussycat Doll founder, terrifying-faced <laughs> Robin Anton was there. <laughs> the, I might cut that just in case. <laughs> here's, here's the thing about Robin Anton. When I've seen her there before, she's not an amazing dancer. I will, I will tell you something. At, at one point in the class, there was one moment where she was standing right next to me doing the dance, and I got the move better than her. Just once, because I'm not very good at that dance class, but just once, I got the move better and quicker than her, and I felt real pleased with myself. Better and quicker than Robin (laughs) Anton. Okay, we should probably talk about uh, any comments or questions yep. uh, that we've had this week. As ever, if you want to get in touch, do go to our Instagram account at America and leave us a comment or question. Um, so let's talk about uh, any feedback that we've had. Okay, so first up, I just wanted to say... Uh, we talked about uh, the US equivalent of was it Danny Minogue? It was it was it was Danny Minogue. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. Niall O'Driscoll in yep. London got in touch, and I have to say, he's done it. So who did we say there was the US equivalent of Danny Minogue? <laughs> Luke Hemsworth. Luke Hemsworth. <laughs> I mean, a little off track, but uh, Niall O'Driscoll in London said that the US equivalent of Danny Minogue is quite clearly Ashley Simpson. Yep. I will actually say Michael also got in touch uh, separately with me and told me it, it was Ashley Simpson. Well, so there you go. that's multiple sources that have corrected us on that. And I, I feel, do you know what? I don't feel embarrassed from whatever. <laughs> I feel like we've started a conversation. Yeah, exactly. Started a discussion. Okay, I think that's it for feedback. As ever, get in touch on Instagram. Um, let's get on with the show. Let's do it. This is Your Welcome America, the podcast that translates British pop culture for America and American pop culture for Britain. In every episode, we cover two topics, one American, one British. Fraser, you're up first. Okay, so I'm going to start my topic with just a, uh, a, little, a little intro impression for you, if you're ready. Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> that was my terrible impression of... Uh, I was about to call him Richard Hammond. That's Richard Hammond from Top Gear. John Hammond. <laughs> was it <laughs> Top be- Gear's for another day. Was Never. it better or worse than my impression of Katie Price in the last episode? <laughs> I think it was much, much worse. And also much worse than your impression of Jimmy Cranky, who was, which was great. Well, that's my top. <laughs> um, so, so the reason I was doing my terrible impression of, um, of John Hammond there is because the uh, Jurassic World ride has just opened up at Universal yeah. Studios. And it made me think Universal Studios is a great topic for discussion. Uh, mainly because I had never been there um, before I moved here and I went a few months ago and experienced it myself for the first time and oh mama it's a lot to deal with it's crazy because I feel like 
you you love theme parks I do. and all that stuff and i cannot believe that was your first time i know it, I, I on all the visits i've been here before we just never kind of got around to it it never it just never kind of worked out and yeah it, it was it was great it was very fun but it was also a lot i thought i'd just give a very brief history about universal i don't want to get too bogged down in it because it's there's a lot of there facts lot. but basically um universal is a working movie and tv studio um, and right at the beginning of it opening in uh, 1915, um, Universal, the, the guy that ran Universal decided to open a tour to the public. Um, <laughs> and according to, according to Wikipedia, admission was just five cents and it also included a boxed lunch with chicken, <laughs> which I really enjoyed the idea of people traipsing around like a 1915 movie studio eating a box of chicken. <laughs> and then basically, as the actual working movie and TV studio kind of grew, it, apparently around the 60s, they reintroduced the idea of a studio tour. So they had a tour where you could actually go and look in the dressing room walkthroughs and looks at actual productions and like events that were happening there. And then basically over the years, that kind of turned into Universal as a theme park. And basically what they had to do is because the tours were interrupting real movies being shot, they had to kind of almost turn it into its own attraction around in the kind of 60s. That's kind of the core of the Universal Studios theme park is the studio tour. So over the years, there's like it kind of built into this theme park and there's lots of different rides. I won't I won't go into too much of the history of all the rides because there's kind of too much. But I will say um, there's some fun facts about Universal Studios just over the years. I'm going to give you just these ones quickly. OK. Um, did you know that the Universal Studios backlot has been damaged by fire nine times throughout its history? Wow. <laughs> Um, and then this is my I mean it's not funny but I don't know why this is my favorite but in in 2008 there was a fire on the back lot of Mm -hmm. um, of Universal and uh, lots of kind of archived digital films and videos were destroyed and according to Wikipedia for some reason these are the list of things that were destroyed that really made me laugh including the films Knocked Up, Atonement, Law and Order, The Office, Miami Vice and CBS's I Love You Lucy. <laughs> a real eclectic display. I mean, I Love You Lucy one's kind of the saddest one because yeah. it's like a real show, but the idea of them losing episodes of Law and Order really makes me fine. laugh. And like atonement, I think we'll be fine. I also like the idea of there being fires in the back lot and like someone being in the studio tram turn thinking it's part of the attraction. <laughs> yes. Like that, that's like my Ooh, ideal. Very realistic fire effects. As, my, as Michael <laughs> knows out there, my favorite theme of a theme park ride is this wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, Okay. You, do you know what? You've brought me perfectly into it. Let's just talk about the studio tour as the, as part of Universal Great. Studios because you, you've brought us there already. So uh, famously, there's this studio tour, which is a, technically a ride at Universal. So you, you line up, you get on a, a little tram, a tram that's kind of basically a car that's been redesigned to look like a tram. And it drives you around Universal Studios, which I put in inverted commas. And it basically drives you quotation around... Quotation marks. Quotation marks. Thank you very much. It basically drives you around various different, you know, sets that are aren't really in production and then lots of different kind of staged areas where different things happen and that's where a lot of the this shouldn't be happening yeah, <laughs> action this wasn't happens. supposed yeah. to happen my favorite one is uh, you get driven into kind of like a, a, a studio like warehouse and the doors close behind you and then there's like a new york subway set uh, do you remember that one it's like yeah. the disaster set that's my favorite one you get um the sirens start going off and i think then like water fl- no Basically, then there's like fire effects, sparks, then like water floods in from the sides and you think you're going to get engulfed by water. 
it's very fun. Despite the fact that when we were in there, I could see water on the floor and I knew that water was going to happen. I still did like full mum slash auntie noises. <laughs> Ooh! I did mum and auntie noises throughout the whole of Universal. <laughs> One of my favourite things is I was working at uh, NBC Universal on the lot. And so every day I would go to work and the tram would just like pass you. So pe- people would like take photographs of me like walking to go get a well, coffee. This is this is this is what something I was gonna mention is what people don't I think people don't understand is if you work for, for Universal on any of their NBC Universal shows, which are like normal TV shows, it's not like you're working on a movie. Yeah. That you just you do go to work on that lot. So yeah. I went for an interview there and yeah, I had the same thing where I was being driven in a golf cart to my interview and I, the studio tour went past and people were like gawping at me and I was like, Oh god, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I felt embarrassed. I was yeah. like, I'm really sorry you have to see me. One, um, one other amazing perk if you work there is the um what we would say cafeteria translation commissary oh yeah sounds like a prison so weird anyway the the commissary on the lot when you go I, I was working there for months i didn't notice but one day i walked in on the right hand side there's a display of like oscars and stuff like that but they have the the bottle of poison from death becomes her oh, on display that is amazing i know that is that is amazing so cool oh, what? we need to do like a screening of death becomes her soon because okay. it's well, yeah we'll that's, add that to the lengthy lengthy list <laughs> that's what this is just this is just personal admin now a warning now a warning um, did I also ever tell you how um, when I worked there, we could find a way to sneak into the, the theme park? <laughs> yes. So I just need to quickly tell that. So one one day when I was working there, shout out to Emily. Uh, we both uh, worked out a way to like sneak in. It's all just about confidence. You just go through like a back door into the theme park. Because yeah. the theme park section sort of separated off. Yeah. Um, and we went on, we went on the Harry Potter ride. Yep. And then Emily didn't want to get wet, but I went on the Jurassic Park ride by myself. <laughs> and then to dry off, I went on the mummy ride <laughs> and then went back to work. I love it. Nothing like just a blast on a roller coaster on your lunch break. Yeah. Um, and the, the, um, the, one of the iconic things on the studio tour is the Jaws set. That's my favorite. Um, is that, is that, because uh, the, there is a Universal Studios in Florida, which is like the, the really big theme yeah, park so one the, where nothing's filmed. The, but, one, the one in Florida, they, they do like that full, like fake something's gone wrong show yeah. with Jaws. But the Universal Hollywood one, it just has a very mini little Jaws set. You're at like the cove Ooh. and um, it's, you're just driving past. And then, yeah, you start seeing these things in the water being like bumped, like something's underneath it. And then this rickety shark comes up next to you. Again, Knew it was coming, still by my auntie and mum noises. And then my favourite, favourite part of the tour was um, we drove, you drove past, you drive past the house from Psycho. Yeah. And there's this poor, poor actor who every single time a studio tour must come past, he has to walk out of the house dressed as Anthony Perkins in Psycho with holding a knife. And he just walks out and he just, he very, very slowly starts following you in your little kind of cart. And everyone was like screaming. It was very funny. Um, my favourite part of the studio tour is a... Um, Fast and Furious uh, experience where you get driven into another studio kind of warehouse, the doors close behind you. And then this is kind of almost like a hologram display of the Fast and Furious characters with a little plot line. And then you kind of, you basically get driven and stuff happens around you. You're completely static, but there's lots of effects happening around you that make you feel, and like things shaking. Yeah. And it makes you feel like, some, like, you know, you're in the Fast and the Furious. But my favorite part is the kind of holographic bit at the beginning. It's like a conversation. And there's <laughs> it's meant to be like in a nightclub, but they clearly, they have like, five kind of sexy girls dancing <laughs> but it's in this huge like warehouse space and they're just these <laughs> they're doing some real i'm gonna do the moves for you, even though it's a visual medium real lackluster dance moves oh, like this yeah. um and yeah that's that was one of my favorite parts um outside of the studio tour 
you mentioned a couple of the rides just um, when you when you were talking. The thing that I think people don't realize about Universal is it's actually a very small theme park. It's pretty shit, and, and which is rides, also why I like it. Yes, and the rides are not roller coasters. No, the no. Mummy is a roller coaster. Oh yeah, and every, in, every time someone rides the the Mummy ride, Brendan Fraser gets the money. <laughs> just a little, just a little like what like kind of a dollar in his bank account. Yeah, <laughs> but not Rachel Weisz or John Hannah. Oh no, no, they or did. Donna Eyre who was in the Mummy Returns. <laughs> She has a speaking part in the Mummy Returns. Donna Air does the the queue. (laughs) She's the one checking if you're secured into the ride. Exactly. Yeah, so actually, there's actually only a couple of, like, real roller coasters in Universal, which I think people don't realise. Especially, there's there's the Mummy one, which is actually pretty fun. And then there's one in the Harry Potter section, which actually is kind of not that great. It's kind of more for kids. It's all... Um, Most of them all have, like screens yes it's all it's, very it's like, like a yeah. it's like a simulator almost everything's almost like simulator based or screen based so i when i went to universal i left and i had what can only be described as severe motion sickness yeah. and it was all because my body hadn't traveled but my my eyes <laughs> my eyes and my senses they had traveled lots of distances so the worst being the simpsons ride have you been on the simpsons ride not for not for years but yes but just in the simpsons ride you, you're static you sit there completely still but just this huge screen in front of you is flying around in 3D and there was a couple of moments where I just had to close my eyes and on the the Minions ride I had to close my eyes because I felt physically sick but I wasn't moving you're just sitting in in one spot it's very strange well I I found that um, when I you are moving in this one but the Harry Potter ride I was just like oh the Harry Potter one I felt awful during that one so my favourite part of Universal Studios is definitely the Harry Potter section because the one thing I enjoy in a theme park is heavy theming yep and the Harry Potter section is very, very heavily themed, but in a very successful way. So not only is there kind of the castle when you walk into it, like a scaled down version of the castle, which I think actually does look really impressive. They've they've got all of the kind of small details when you're walking around are really great. If you have a wand, you can like stand in a certain spot and point your wand and it makes things in the shop windows move around. It's, yeah, it's very like, it's very satisfying for someone who loves theme park theming so much. But do you like Harry Potter? That was going to be my next question. I do like Harry Potter. I'm not like a fanatical person about it, but I was thinking as I was going to talk about Harry Potter today, I was thinking about how much, how funny it is that I know for a fact that you must hate Harry Potter and all of the theming of it. Well, yes. (laughs) Much like how I have never been to a Greg's or a Weatherspoons <laughs> or what was my other most recent one? I can't remember. I can't remember. Eating a pasty. I don't know. No, I have eaten a pasty once. Didn't like it. Oh. Um, I have never read or watched Harry Potter. Well, it just, it just doesn't, magic doesn't really appeal to me. Yeah. And, and here's my issue with the Harry Potter land. You go and it's all these like, a lot of people like, oh, look, a castle. When you're from Scotland, <laughs> let me tell you. We have castles a go-go. Like, every inch of Scotland has, like, some sort of castle. So I was like, yeah, okay, there's there's a castle. I mean, even though it's never mentioned in the books, I do feel like the Hogwarts castle is probably in Scotland, because it is always raining there. Oh, well, actually, they filmed lots yeah. of Harry Potter in Scotland, so yeah. yeah. Um, but it just, it made me it made me laugh when I was kind of prepping for this, because I was kind of thinking about um, how there's this very kind of, it's technically very basic to you to be into Harry Potter and to know all that, but whatever, I love it. And... In Harry Potter, in the books, everyone is sorted into a different house at Hogwarts. Sure are. And it made me laugh thinking about the fact that there's a test you can do online, uh, like it's the Pottermore kind of test, where you officially get sorted into houses. And I really wanted to make you do it for this podcast, but it takes too long. But I just feel like I don't need to do it because it's so obvious that you'd be in Slytherin. <laughs> 
I don't fully know what that means, but just the word Slytherin doesn't sound great. Yeah, you basically... They, they, she what, d- what am I? She divided them up into, like, four kind of obvious categories. There's Gryffindor, where all the kind of main characters are in, which is, like, heroic, brave. There's Raven- So I'm, I'm not a main character. Hold on. There's Ravenclaw, which is, like, intelligent. Hufflepuff, which is everybody else. And Slytherin, which is the evil people. All of the bad guys. Okay. So they're just as important, but they're evil. Um, I wanted to ask you, out of those four categories, when I did the test, what did you think that I got sorted into? I think you got sorted into the one that everyone else is in. Well, I, I take that insult actually quite personally, as always, much like when you used to make me be Maya in uh, Lady Marmalade. Um, <laughs> so actually, forever Maya. What I will tell you is I got also sorted into Slytherin. Oh! <laughs> but I like to think of it that in the world of Harry Potter, there's all of the evil villains in Slytherin, and then there's just a few of the others. I, that would be me. So there'd be the, the evil characters in Slytherin, like bullying Harry Potter and doing all their dark magic. And I'm just there. Look, we could, could I'm we just be... taking a lesson. Can we... <laughs> Can we be... <laughs> well, you filled out the form wrong and you yeah. ended up in Slytherin. I feel like it would be like in the final big action set piece of Harry Potter where they're all defending the castle. I just would have gone home. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be in Slytherin, I'm going to say. Have you ever been on Tinder or in... Well, no, Tinder, and someone has written in their bio like Gryffindor or anything like that? Listen, there's so many things in Tinder bios I cannot abide. A Harry Potter reference, yes. Someone calling themselves a dog dad. That makes me physically sick. <laughs> <laughs> anyone that says um that they love traveling i'm like everyone loves traveling L- love to laugh yeah everyone fucking loves tra- everyone loves going on holiday everyone loves going on vacation it's not a thing it doesn't make you an individual oh what you've been to thailand and you bought those stupid giant fisherman pants i don't care um you may oh and the word foodie Fuck you off. may know this already but fraser is single I'm sorry, look, I'm in the house of Slytherin, this is the kind of shit I say. That's true. Do I come across as like a real horrible asshole and snob in this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're keeping on theme. <laughs> it's very Slytherin of you. So one of my favourite elements of the Harry Potter world is um, in the books there's a pub called the Three Broomsticks. And in Universal, they have a Three Broomsticks pub where you can go and eat and drink. The menu is hilarious and also weirdly not that bad. Um, I'm just going to read you some of the some of the dishes you can get in there. Fish and chips. Well, really makes me worry when American people try to do fish and chips. Oh, those skinny those skinny chips they do like a, like a fry, but they're calling it a chip. No, 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 no. Shepherd's pie. I had that when I was there. It was actually very nice there, Shepherd's Pie. I mean, there's nothing I want more on a, a hot day when I'm at Universal Studios, which is located in the valley, than a, a Shepherd's Pie. A hot mashed potato and a hot oh. minced beef. Oh, yeah, just to, really, just to really warm you up after being out in the sun all day. Uh, beef pasties, something you've only had one of. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think so far, though, all those things actually do sound British. This yeah. is where things start to go really off-piste. <laughs> Rotisserie smoked chicken platter. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Spare ribs platter. Nope. And the chicken and ribs platter. Famously a British, nothing more British than heading into the three broomsticks in Hogsmeade and having chicken and ribs. Chicken and ribs platter. Uh, And a smoked turkey leg. (laughs) I would love it if they just put in like an Indian dish, like a chicken tikka masala. It would have been like, yeah, you would get that in a pub in England. Completely, completely. So to be honest, there's so much about Universal, but I kind of felt like we just talked about all the things we wanted to talk about. One of my favorite things that, um, that I discovered, so you know that I love theme parks and I actually know that there's some certain things that you love about theme parks because we discovered a mutual love. I once went around to Ben's uh, when he was feeling a bit sick in London, a bit ill, and I went around to his and discovered that, much like me, 
Ben likes to go on YouTube and go on roller coaster rides on YouTube. Oh. It was one of the greatest discoveries of our friendship. I, f- I find it so soothing. Me too. It's one of my favorite things. I urge anyone that's never never done it to go onto YouTube and just type in different roller coasters that you could ride. You know, we basically that day we went on the Jurassic Park ride at Universal, yeah. didn't we? And really enjoyed that. I've gone I've gone around the world. That I tell you what, the Tron ride in Disneyland Shanghai. What a treat. <laughs> um, I, I want to just go back to the Jurassic Park ride for a second because. Obviously has changed yes. recently, but that for a while, I think it still is, was the most expensive theme park ride in history. I think it cost like sixty million dollars or something. But when I was working, <laughs> Not money at, well spent. When I was working at NBC Universal, there was a guy in line to get a coffee one day, and he was wearing a T-shirt that said something along the lines of like Jurassic Park Flume Replacement Team 2008. <laughs> like they were they were commemorating and celebrating I the fact that. that they repaired the slide in Jurassic Park. I lo- oh, that's like that time I told you I saw that woman in um, the supermarket and she was wearing like. A a crew jacket and it just said the purge on it <laughs> i was like wow what a thing to be proud of so actually kind of trying to find um uk equivalents of theme parks i find them find it to be kind of pretty almost too easy because you can just find the equivalent to it basically so again i think i'm probably going to do a combo for this one yeah um, i would say that it I would say that, in my opinion um the uk equivalent of universal studios is actually a combo of thought park and the Harry Potter studio tour in North London. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I was, I was going to be very firm and strong with Alton Towers. See, because, I, but, but here's the thing. Here's why. Okay. Everyone in the US knows what Universal Studios is and mm-hmm. goes to it. I grew up in Scotland, never heard of Thorpe Park, but everyone knew Alton Towers. Do you know what? You're making a very good point there. And I, I do, I, do you know what? I will, I will secede one half of that and yes. I will give you that the UK equivalent of Universal Studios is Alton Towers and the Harry Potter Studio Tour in Watford. You're welcome. You're welcome. I love that it's in Watford. It really makes me laugh. <laughs> This is your Welcome America. We're back and it's time for Ben's topic. What do you got for me, babes? Okay, so this week I am going to be talking about Love Island. Set sail, we're going to the heterosexual hell that is Love Island. So, okay, I feel like a lot of Americans have heard about Love Island, particularly because there's now a US version, but still people keep on sort of referring back to the UK version of it. So just to give you a bit of history, Love Island uh, was a TV show, well, originally in 2005 and 2006 in the UK, and it had celebrities in it. Yes, it did. Did a couple of seasons. Any notable celebs in that? I feel like Callum Best must have been in there. I think Callum Best was in it. It also launched the very short-term career of Paul Danan. Oh, yeah. Remember Paul Danan? Yeah. Paul Danan, what a man. (laughs) Um, So that's what it was. Who's the US equivalent of Paul Danan? Someone who's gone insane in a short term on reality TV. Oh, wait, 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 wait. What about, um, like, Ryan Lochte? Possibly. He's almost too skilled. I would actually say maybe someone like Jax from Vanderpump Rules. That's good. Yeah, that's very good. Okay, you're welcome. Um, so that's what it was originally in the UK. And then it sort of, they, they stopped it. And then the, the show came back in 2015 um, on a network called ITV2, which is one of the sort of cable networks. It's very Bravo or MTV-like. Yes, but it's they, not one of the main networks. Not one no, of the main they get channels. kind of, they, they hoover up all of the Bravo, like Housewives stuff, especially. Yeah. So that's kind of... 
the feel of that channel on ITV2. And it starts, so they brought back Love Island in 2015, but they brought it back just with uh, civilians. Yep. And it has been like a cultural touchpoint hit and sensation. Phenomenon. The, ph- phenomenon. The way it works is now, well, I'm, I'm going to be lo- very loose with my description of how it works, much like the producers of the show. Loose, like Loose Women, like our Loose Women special that's coming up. It's your Monday Loose Women Live with Stacey Solomon, Denise Van Outen, Colleen Nolan, and me, Ruth Langford. Coming up, coming soon. <laughs> um, the way Love Island works is that you have single guys and single girls. Mm-hmm. They're all straight, of course. Well, no, actually, there was a bisexual person in there once. Well done, ITV2. And the way it works is uh, as soon as the show starts, they couple up mm-hmm. and there's always someone who isn't in a couple, but you can recouple. And basically the idea you know is... that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you're not in a couple, you get dumped and you get taken off the show. So Fraser, if you just want to leave... <laughs> okay, cool. I'll see you maybe never. Bye. Okay, bye, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. bye. Um, and then until, until finally you have fewer and fewer, because uh, they keep on bringing in more people. So the balance of guys and girls is always off. And then... You know, so you keep on eliminating people, and then finally you get down to three couples, and the public vote for their favorite. Along the way, on this journey, they play games, and all kinds of stuff happens. So it's very loose. It's very low stakes, I would say. Well, very low stakes, and yeah. very kind of unquantifiable as to how you succeed at it. Oh, baffling! <laughs> so baffling. Um, we should also note that it's on five nights a week. Yep. It's relentless, yep. always on in the summer. Um, some very other key points. The voiceover is very important. Yes. It's a comedian called Ian Sterling. He's mm-hmm. Scottish, much more Scottish than me. And he... Um, it's very attractive. Is he? I find him very attractive. What? He looks like if you stopped Calvin Harris halfway to his current makeover. Okay. And put glasses on him. Oh, no, that's fair. That works well. <laughs> the thing that's interesting about him is that the the narration he does the voiceover he does in the show so if i were doing it right now i would look at freight right fraser's wearing like a tank top right now it would be like fraser's entered the villa he's not wearing sleeves okay then like everything's just yeah. like it's taking the piss or joking he's very snarky very snarky so that drives the show meanwhile there is a host of the show caroline flack oh yeah flackers <laughs> the flackers the flackers <laughs> so she she's been hosting and presenting in the uk for a while never first choice as long as i could remember <laughs> <laughs> and she sort of with this show has become like this show has made her yeah so much so she had her own autobiography what's the name of that autobiography i actually have no idea storm in a d cup why wasn't it like taking some flack because we weren't there. Oh my god, what a fucking missed opportunity. It was really... Have you, actually, have you ever worked with Caroline Flack? Uh, no, I have met her once. She's really nice. Oh. What was interesting is last year... So she sort of worked in the show because it worked well with her. Because she gets lots of press when she goes and nights out in the real world. Yeah. Um, not the TV show, in the actual, actual <laughs> real world. So... That whole tabloid thing feeds into the show. Yes. So she was single for a long time. Yes. Then she got engaged. So this all happened last year. Yes. So the top of last year's series, like the first episode, she's there. She's like, hi, girls. And she's got a very like smoker's raspy voice. She like, does. Hi, girls. <laughs> Welcome to Love Island. <laughs> like that, whatever. Uh, not, not my finest. Not as good as your Jimmy Cranky. Not as good as Jimmy Cranky. Jimmy Cranky should host this show. <laughs> Jimmy Cranky's Love Island. <laughs> Welcome to the island. We all get Islanders. Um, so, but at the, to- at the top of the season last year, 
she greets everyone and she's meeting all the girls and they're all chatting we're like oh you're all here to find love and they're all sitting in a circle and then one of them goes like all right caroline show us your ring and like she puts over like like shows the engagement ring yeah. and all the girls are like ooh. but then halfway through the season she called off her engagement ooh. it's really like ooh. a bit too real she was engaged to um an apprentice uh, contestant. Oh wow! Because I worked on that season of The Apprentice with that guy on it that she got engaged to. What was he like? Andrew Brady. Um, the fact that Fraser is um, giving me wide eyes and not speaking <laughs> suggests that we cannot talk about that subject. So uh-huh. we'll move on. Uh huh. Okay. So Caroline Flack, she's a big important part of the show. My theory with why this show is a big hit in the UK yep. is that it happens every summer. Yep. And it's in. It's in, where is it, in Tenerife or somewhere like that. Tenerife, Mallorca, Ibiza, all of them. Mallorca, it's one of them. <laughs> Mallorca. Um, and it's on every night. You basically, the weather in the UK, most of the time, most of the time, and in the summer, is usually shit. Yep. You can't depend on good weather. If every night in the summer you get to tune in for an hour to watch attractive people on vacation yeah. getting it on, <laughs> that is a joy. Yes. And it, it harks back to the the triumphant big days of big brother in the uk yes so big brother was the biggest show in the uk much bigger than survivor or anything else and the best seasons of it were the ones that happened it always happened in the summer but the best seasons were when we had nice weather yeah and there was a romance yeah so basically love island has taken the nice weather put it in mallorca so we definitely get it yeah and it's all about finding partners so it's all about romance. And I will say it's in the way that um, American Big Brother was all about tactics and there was so much more to the actual kind of the mechanics of the game of Big Brother. Big Brother in the UK is quite literally a popularity contest. You just have to be the most popular person and you win the show. And I'd say it's almost the same thing for Love Island. They do challenges, they do games, but really essentially it boils down to a popularity contest. You just have to be like someone that the public likes and you win. Totally. I think what's also important is that because this show started off and is still on ITV2, it's not one of the main networks, It can, it's like a bit racier and it's it's more funny, it's yeah. more silly and ridiculous and that really appeals to people. Whereas the US version is on CBS, it's an earlier time slot. Yeah. Um, I've watched it, it's, it's very similar, but it doesn't have that silly, very, very cheeky yes. edge to it's not, it. They can't, it's, it. It's a lot harder to do irreverent things here, I think. Totally. And I think a lot of my friends in the US who watch the UK version, they also love all the accents. Yeah. All the... All, oh, Lord. I mean, you get every regional accent in the show, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. What do you think about Brexit? What, what's that? Like, I well, we're leaving the European Union. I don't... I, I seriously don't have so a... So, like, if you... So, it's to, it was to leave the EU, so we wouldn't um, be part of EU, Europe. Yeah, which yeah, would yeah, mean, like, welfare and, like, things we trade with would be cut down. So does that mean we won't have any trees? Trees? No. Trees? Oh. No. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with it, babe. That's <laughs> Why wouldn't we have trees? Uh, what are you talking no, about? No, we're just, we're just not in the European Union. Oh, we're still classed oh. as, like, being in Europe. Doesn't it mean it would be harder to, like, go to, like, Spain and stuff? So it would be harder to go on holidays? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I love my holidays. Yeah. yeah. Something you did point out was there are challenges on yeah. Love Island. Now, I was trying to work out how to best describe these. I just went into uh, YouTube and typed in Love Island Challenge. I'm going to read out what some of them are. Okay. Okay. Villa Games. Who can pole dance the best? <laughs> Prime example. Challenge. Eden is crowned best bod of the villa. <laughs> Sexy beer pong. <laughs> the Islanders play a serious game of mouth to mouth. And then finally... A serious game of mouth-to-mouth. 
who can balloon thrust the best? <laughs> so, I mean, these are the kind of challenges we're getting. It's like being on a bachelorette party. Yes, it's very similar to, which is something we should talk about at some point. It's very similar to being on a 18 to 30s holiday. Oh, yeah. Totally with like a club rep. Yes. I tell you what, in my office when I tried to ex- explain when they were talking about the Lindsay Lohan show and, I, <laughs> and everyone who worked in the bar in that show were called like ambassadors. Yeah. And I was like, do you have the phrase club rep here? Blew everyone's minds. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> That's a story for another time. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to explain club reps to people. Um, so it's be- the show just finished off uh, this week. Um, did you, do you watch it by the way? No. So I, let me tell you why I've never watched Love Island in the UK. I, I really, I love, as you know, I love reality TV, like love it. But my problem with Love Island is that it's too, it's not trashy enough. Oh, it's on paper it seems trashy but actually in terms of those kind of shows about young people and sexy people it's actually like very restrained have you ever seen x on the beach now x on the beach is exactly what i want out of reality tv it's a whole villa of young sexy people just like love island but they bring in their exes and they keep bringing in exes and different combinations of exes there's drinking there's fights there's almost full sex on camera there's night vision sex there's completely bare naked people there's there's like people's guys like erections like barely masked it's perfect well i think also in the uk the show love island has become such a phenomenon there i think they're trying to tone it down to attract more and more viewers for example when i was back in the uk earlier this year my family watched it yeah so we would sit down and it would be my my cousin her husband and then their kids who are aged from 14 to 18 yeah we all sat and watched it as a family i was like what is going on and my cousin pointed out to me she was like look, if we all watch it together, it gives us something to talk about, <laughs> which is remarkable. And also a couple of years ago, I believe there was um, a female Islander, as they're called, yep. who went in the show and she was a Miss, I think she was Miss Great Britain. Mm-hmm. I think she she either had sex or had some sort of sexual relations on the show and then she got stripped of yes. her Miss Great Britain yes. title. So I think they're trying to tone it down yeah. uh, and, and get a bigger audience and make sure bad stuff doesn't happen. So this season, I only have watched bits and pieces. There is a breakout star in the show. Okay. And her name's Maura. Is she joking? I couldn't give a shite. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, when she entered the show, she really caught traction because she was sitting there, like, having, like, a one-on-one dinner with one of the other girls. And all the guys were, like, watching from afar. It was really leery and creepy. Yep. And she was talking about a guy, I think, called Tommy. And she said about Tommy, oh, I really like Tommy. He's giving me the fanny flutters. <laughs> my God, they look so <laughs> fit. They look better in the laugh. Oh my God. Like, okay. I am having fanny flutters. I'm oh, not even okay, talking. <laughs> Two months ago, I met Maura. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had lunch with Maura. Did you? Why? I can't go into specific details, okay. but it was at a friend's lunch and Maura was there. And obviously this is before the show started. Yeah. Now, bearing in mind right now, Maura has been the breakout star. She didn't win the show, but she's fine. She's got a job hosting something in This Morning in the UK, which is basically like Good Morning America. <laughs> she uh, She's like the breakout star, Digital Spy, one of the media websites, wrote a whole thing like, the only reason we're watching Love Island this year is Maura. Okay. When I had lunch there a couple of months ago, I would never have predicted that. Really? Because, so it was me and my friends, and she was there as like someone's um, girlfriend at the time. And she was, she's a little bit younger, and she just has completely different reference points. So in the same way that, look, if she walked in right now and we were having coffee with her, we are the kind of, even though I'm a Slytherin, we're the kind of people who would make the effort to ask questions and include her. Yeah, of course. She could... 
she felt so out of her comfort zone that she couldn't relate to any of us. Even right. though I was making an effort asking which she just couldn't do it. She, yeah. It was like a robot malfunctioning. Yeah, she was is, like, I can't understand a word anyone say. Anyone say, I've no, like, yeah, it was so interesting. We even played like a, like a game of, not taboo, but like one of those word games. Yeah. She, it, I mean, it was it was so upsetting to watch, but she couldn't do it. <laughs> it was like a game where you had to rhyme rhyme things. So it was like, I'm holding up my glass. Okay, but you can't say the word glass. You have to say something that rhymes with glass. So you're like, mast but she, she didn't get the game As. exactly <laughs> so it was it was baffling and then fast forward two months and like she's this fanny flutter sensation <laughs> i'm like what is going the on fanny flutter and, and i'm a tv producer and i didn't even see it in her yeah well there you go that's that's one for the producers of the show then they yeah. they got that out of her well done her um i i know you haven't really been watching because it it's not trashy enough for you i will say i struggle with it because it's so heteronormative yeah the whole show is about guys hooking up with girls yeah. and girls that I, I, I just can't relate to yeah. it. I watch it and I'm, I, I don't, it feels, it feels like a world that we are very much on the outside of as gay men, especially now gay men living in LA who are friends with majority other gay men. It, yeah. it feels, we feel, I feel very far away from it. I used to feel a lot closer to it when I lived in the UK because I had, a, a, my circle of friends was a lot more like female. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe I, I felt just a bit more like in touch with it, but I do feel like out here I couldn't be further from it. Yeah. It's like an alien world to me now. So that is Love Island. Is there anything else you want to bring up or mention or reference in it? Oh, actually, there's one thing I want to talk about very quickly is, do you know that they all have their, um, all their, it's very clever because when you watch the show, it's basically like watching like, it's like scrolling through the ASOS website (laughs) because before they go in, I think what they do is they are all like styled by like trashy boohoo companies, whatever they're called, pretty little pretty miss thing or whatever they're called or what's what's the you, one that, you fused maybe five of them together <laughs> they're all the same thing so i'll just like you're, you're, you're fusing together you're fusing together boohoo.com um pretty little thing.com and oh fuck what's the other one uh hang on i need to stop because it's gonna annoy me if i can't remember and there's fashion nova over here yeah it's all like those those uh fast fashion websites where like everything's made out of plastic yeah. and shipped from china my friend lydia calls boohoo.com see-through.com because everything's shit <laughs> Sheer. I know, I really had to get my mouth around the word. But what's, it's really clever because when you watch the episode, you can, while watching it, you can shop the episode. So yeah. say Fraser comes out and he's wearing a tank top, you're like, oh, I like that. You go on the website and you buy it. On boohoomen.com. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and I think everything's like been tailored to them as well, even though it's like cheap, shitty plastic. <laughs> everything's been, so it looks amazing on them. One big advert. So um, yeah. I, I, my, I think personally, another part of the popularity of the show is that in the UK, traditionally, for your summer holidays, you and your family would pop over to Mallorca, Menorca, Tenerife, all those kind of Balearic Islands, Spanish Islands, all of those places, and you'd have your, your week away with your family. You'd stay at the, stay at the hotel. You'd, you know, you'd have to get down there early to put your towel on the sun lounger to claim yep. your spot. There's games. You get your food. There's like a holiday romance. It, I think it feeds into everyone's like nostalgia for their own yeah. like family vacations or like teenage. There's actually also a real tradition of going away when you're a teenager to those islands and getting as drunk as you possibly can. Totally. And I think it totally taps into that whole thing, but it's like like the most attractive version of that rather yeah. than the real life version. And, and it's all about hooking up. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like the best, most attractive extreme version of that. So the US equivalent yeah. of Love Island. Now there is a US Love Island at the moment, but I think I want to go somewhere different. I think the US equivalent of Love Island quite specifically is Bachelor in Paradise. Yep, you've got it. That's yes. a, I was, I was going to try and say it at the exact same time as you and I got scared. In the same way that like, 
the the bachelor feels like a sort of network primetime thing bachelor in paradise is just cheekier yes. sillier more fun yes I, I couldn't agree with you more. I've actually yeah. never seen a frame of Bachelor in Paradise, but I know exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're very pleased with ourselves. I know. I'm, I'm smug as a bug in a rug right now. <laughs> um, so that's it. The US equivalent of uh, Love Island is Bachelor in Paradise. You're welcome. You're welcome. And we're back. And we're going to play our usual game at the end of the show which is welcome not welcome which is where we mention british or american topics and we say whether they're welcome or not welcome aka whether we like them or don't like them well, there is some rustling in the background from a uh, third podcast host jesse he's just packing our bags for us <laughs> to go to the beach this afternoon <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that little rustle in the background little, little rustle brand little pop <laughs> okay i'm gonna go first um welcome or not welcome a chalk ice Oh. <laughs> I would actually say not welcome because <laughs> chalk ice, <laughs> chalk ice is a is a UK thing, which is a kind of a square of a vanilla ice cream with chocolate around it. It's always nice. cheap, but I but what, since I've moved here, they do those ice cream sandwiches. There are a lot more. That's their version of a chalk ice. It's like an ice cream sandwich, which is like ice cream between two cookies. Oh yeah, oh. It's, so it's a bit thicker, a bit meatier. thicker, a bit meatier, a bit like a bit more bad for you. So I would say chalk ice is not welcome. I'm going to say they're welcome. Okay, uh, so my welcome and welcome topic actually comes from Michael, who mentioned this to me, our friend Michael, American Michael. He said, um, so welcome or not welcome, British people saying, I'm going to hospital. Because uh, in America, if you say, oh, she's in hospital, I'm going to go to hospital. Oh, I had to go to hospital. Oh, yeah, he's gone to hospital. To them, that sounds insane. They say going to the hospital. They would never... They always have to add the word the in. It makes no sense to them. I've never thought about no. this. It, and Michael said it's, he said it's like jarring for American people to hear British people saying it. Did you, isn't that weird? I, so, but wait, I thought you were meaning like, I'm going to hospital. <laughs> no, that's like a thing, like T like, apostrophe. Yeah, not like a Yorkshire accent. Yeah, wait, I'm going to hospital. <laughs> okay, so wait, 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 what's the welcome, not welcome? I'm not sure. Who cares? Let's move on. <laughs> Pass. <clears throat> okay, welcome or not welcome. Receipts from CVS. <laughs> Not welcome. This is, receipts from CVS is a real like nineties. This is like a two thousand stand up joke. Those receipts at CVS are longer than my arm. <laughs> so CVS, which is like the U- the UK equivalent of Boots or the US boots. equivalent of Boots. Okay, Boots is a classic example because you have like your award- rewards card. Everything goes in that. Whatever. I think we've talked about that. We before. have talked about the Boots Advantage card forever. L- love it. Miss it. Um, I wonder if it still works when I go back and get that meal deal. But CVS is like a pharmacy. And then when you, you buy something, the receipt at the end is like a mile long and it has all these coupons on it. it I, I just chuck it away. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with those coupons. And the, the thing that in general, I feel like in the US paper, as you mentioned with checks, yep. you saw me earlier dealing with my checks and oh, my builder. Literally saw Ben leafing through a checkbook. A checkbook. 1982. Also, how appropriate is it that my builder, his name is Ronnie. Ronnie! <laughs> Ronnie! Also, uh, also, pretty sure Ronnie said that his dad's name was Aladdin. Wild. So yeah, the receipts from CVS are a mile long, and it's just paper, and it freaks me out. Not welcome. <laughs> not welcome. Okay, my welcome. <laughs> You're going to like this one. Welcome or not welcome? Wagamamas. Waggers. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wagamama is, oh. Wagamama is this, this very strange, like Japanese, um, very faux Japanese kind of chain restaurant in the UK. There's one in every single town. And it's like, it's very unauthentic Japanese food, as proven when we took, um, we took our friend Atsuko, our Japanese friend Atsuko there for dinner. And she said, I asked her how authentic the menu was. She said, this is literally nonsense. She said, none, <laughs> she said, none of this makes any sense. This isn't Japanese food. Uh, but Wagamama's to me is very, um, when you're working late in TV in the yes. UK and they like, we're going to order in food, you're working late. You've got, you've got your big three. You've got your Nando's. You got your Wagamamas and you got your Pizza Express. And those three restaurants, I cannot abide any of them because I've eaten them all at like 10.30 at night in an office complex in London being like, oh, I don't want to go home. The, th- the thing is with the Waggers is I do, f- I completely agree, but it is kind of like a, a, a hug, a huggin' production. Yeah, I know what you mean. That kind of, there's this like coconut soup, noodle soup thing that even the smell of it makes me think of like, at least the, the camaraderie of staying late with yeah. a group of people and being like, we're going to get this done. Exactly. And also the Waggers has arrived, so we can't be here that much longer. <laughs> very, very TV specific, that one. Oh, well, who cares? Welcome or not welcome. 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 I miss okay. it. <laughs> I was playing Taboo last night with a crowd of Americans and the phrase pinch a loaf came up. What do you think that phrase means? What? Pinch a loaf. To pinch a loaf. To steal a loaf of bread? It's to fart. What? I know. I've heard of cut the cheese as a weird American term to, for farting, and I learned that from an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> pinch a loaf. And also, remember- <laughs> does, does pinch a loaf sounds like it should be a British phrase. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, I thought you were giving me like a, one of your crazy Scottish like idioms. I was yeah. like, oh, pinch a loaf. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, he pinched a loaf. How's my Scottish accent? Je- Jesse, is the American rustling around in the background? What? What have you got to say on this? Pinching a loaf is a farting. Oh, wait, what is it? Oh, oh, okay. It's a pinch of loaf. According to Jesse, it's it's actually taking a shit. But either or, <laughs> still, it still doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, it does. Oh, gross! I've just realised what that means. Then, oh, why? I'm. Do you really want me to go into the forensic just, detail of it? Just, I'm, I'm. That hand movement you keep doing is what exactly what it is. Pinch a loaf. The loaf's your shit, and the but pinch is why your is asshole shit pinching called, it off. But why is a shit called a loaf? I don't know. It's more of a baguette. <laughs> Like a mini baguette more, isn't it? So we're going to change it to pinch a mini baguette. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's that. welcome. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Pinch a mini baguette. Welcome. All right, what's your final one? Welcome or not welcome. Okay, my final welcome or not welcome, Taco Tuesday. Oh, welcome. Welcome. I did not know it was a thing till I moved here. Oh, yeah. And people talk about it like it's Wednesday, the word Wednesday. They're like, oh, you know, Taco Tuesday. Well, they do Taco Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Do you know? Because that place does a Taco Tuesday. Love Taco Tuesday. And also, it's just basically like cheaper tacos on a Tuesday. The thing that blows <laughs> every uh, British person's mind when they come here is like, a taco, is that like a crunchy hard thing? I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a soft shell taco we're uh, yeah. dealing with in yeah. this situation. Yeah, we're not getting one of those old El Paso, <laughs> an old El Paso meal kit. Like a, t- a taco kit <laughs> yeah. with that like dusty powdery sauce. <laughs> exactly. We're not frying up some mints in a pan with that dusty sauce. Oh. Oh. Put it in a crackly old El Paso shell. Basically, all I ate in the 90s growing up was an old El Paso... Fajita like, kit. Fa- yeah, fajita kit. <laughs> Loved it. I know this, I'm going to probably cut this. Every time we talk about fajitas, I think of that scene from the Saturday's reality show where the big, <laughs> the big finale was them having fajitas in the conservatory at Frankie's. Frankie's conservatory. We're going to get into that 
very heavily on the Saturday special. So, um, the Taco Tuesday, welcome. welcome. I think that's it. We're going to the beach. Yeah, we're off to the beach now in Ben's Jeep. We've really lost our minds and become very different people. <laughs> um, but do remember, don't feel, don't think that we're living the high life because I do have that mouse slash rat in my kitchen yeah. somewhere <laughs> shitting away. So He's pinched out a loaf on your cooker. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> um, this has been your Welcome America. Get in touch on Instagram at you are welcome America, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. You're welcome. You're so far up your mouth, I think you can smell your own sheets. Where are you from, Joseph? South Shields. Ethel. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. But let me be clear. I enjoy cooking bacon and stuff, working with flour.